You're listening to The Worship Review, a podcast which evaluates contemporary Christian music for the good of the church to the glory of God. This podcast is for the whole church to encourage thoughtful engagement with the words, emotions, and ideas in our music. We hope you enjoy this week's episode. Welcome back to our Series 4 wrap-up episode. This is Part 2. If you missed the first part, go back and listen to last week's episode before you listen to this episode, because in this episode, we will be continuing the conversation that we started last week, wherein we discussed uh, issues related to Series 4. We talked about some listener feedback. We dug deep on some theological questions. The meaning of worship leader. We defined worship leader. Well. Yeah, or we we uh, <laughs> we waffled about. We drew a soft line around the term worship leader and uh, wavering, wa- wavering in some places. Yeah. And which is we, good because we're going to talk about vagueness on this one. Yes, indeed, we are. And we also uh, changed our ratings on some songs. So there's a lot to hear in this episode. So we hope you enjoy it. So, um, a listener pointed out that weight and glory are connected not merely in Hebrew morphology and in word structure, but also in English in the phrase, for example, don't take it lightly, by which we mean take it seriously, take yeah. it with gravity, take it, well, even gravity kind of reveals a kind of weight sense to <laughs> yeah. it. But um, this, is a, this is a serious matter. It's one that uh, holds weight. Yes. It is one. It's heavy. It's a heavy topic. As they it's said not in the one 80s. to be taken lightly. Exactly. I think maybe you could still say that now, Two right? People, that's that's was... heavy when I wear my uh, uh, Walkman and uh, <laughs> my fanny pack. Definitely I don't know. We have some British people in the audience. <laughs> oh. uh, yeah. Well, okay. Here's a bigger question, Colin. <laughs> to what extent is vagueness a characteristic of modern worship music? A characteristic? Uh, modern worship music. To a great extent, I would say. <laughs> I would say, yeah, I would say people like the the Gettys and Stuart Townend and Paul Beloge, for example, are the exception to yeah. the to the norm. The norm a lot of Sovereign is, Grace music too, and Sovereign Grace. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't compile a whole list of all yeah. the exceptions, but yeah, there are a lot of people that are tri- striving for specificity and clarity. But it seems like the overwhelming thrust in uh, modern evangelical worship is vagueness. Applicability to many or all circumstances by not really confining an issue or or defining it and confining it in that way, uh, you leave it open to a lot of different interpretations. We've run into this in ways that are negative and ways that are positive. So not all vagueness is negative or not all vagueness should be seen as bad. Uh, you know, there, there there are places in Scripture where certain ideas are left open and are not defined because all of the various meanings that could be attached to those ideas are good or glorifying to God in some way. And so there have been some songs, for example, I can't think of examples, but there have been some songs which might have a vague term, but all of the interpretations that you could derive from that phrase or term are are good. But I would say that's less common. The more common thing is for vagueness to be so embedded in a song that 
there are positive meanings and then there are negative meanings or there are me meanings that are even heretical or erroneous at the very least. And that's a big problem. Do you think that this lack of specificity is intentional? Boy, I wrestle with that one, Tyler. It's impossible to know. Sometimes it can just be, yeah, laziness or bad songwriting or just ignorance. So th these are unintentional causes. Mm -hmm. They are still problematic, but, and they're still, a person is still responsible in those cases, but there's not intent behind them. Sure. At times, though, I do wonder if some vagueness that we have encountered is intentional. Why would that be? Well, if you're going to analyze something, this famous phrase, cui bono, who benefits? And if you, you may not be able to tell somebody's motives because you can't get inside their head, but you can see results of their actions and who benefits from those actions and maybe make some inferences. And there have been times where we've a song where the vagueness seemed deliberate and it enabled accessibility, both in terms of maybe Christians of a variety of denominations, but also maybe even of non-Christians. Like the song was so vague and open, maybe even about, maybe, maybe even to the extent as to who the song was about, like may not even be Christ. It may not even be God because the song is so vague. And in those cases, sometimes I wondered whether that was done with the intent of keeping the audience for the song as broad as possible so that the song would sell lots of downloads or copies played widely a variety of settings and therefore would generate sure yeah i mean that's uh maybe an economic motive to ascribe to i think there are many other motives that could exist so one for example maybe uh relatively innocuous on its on its face something like uh, the belief that vagueness means artistic quality. Yeah. So people say, you know what I'm talking about, people <laughs> sure. who utter platitudes that are vague, yeah. deliberately vague, because they think it makes them sound profound. And this is not just something that worship leaders struggle with, but um, yeah, I don't know, like in your in your example from earlier, like people complaining about some broad topic that's not narrowly defined, like, like capitalism, it's like they're upset with that. And they think that just uttering that makes it profound, but you have to be clear about what it is that you're upset about i mean it's amazing when you put music behind something you, it, it's amazing how that thing might seem profound sure. or serious or sad or con contemplative or something and just if you took the music away from it it yeah. would actually be exposed as pretty inane and incoherent i think you see this in some of the songs that we've looked at yeah, I don't want to name any names, no. but if you look at some uh, psychedelic music from like the 70s, oh, for example, yeah. a lot of the lyrics are really, really simple, to say the least. Uh, not particularly profound, but then when you hear it in context with the music, you're nodding your head right. and you're really feeling it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, I uh, think uh, like, you know, take a, take a Beatles song, and in the end, the love you take is equal to the love you make. What does that even mean? What does that mean? But the way that the music is behind it and it just, at that moment, it's kind of like, yeah, that's right. In the end, the love you take is equal to the love you make. It's like we're all connected and like I'm producing love and I'm consuming love and it's one giant, like, okay, it seems really profound. I don't know. It's not. Yeah. It's all not right. really all that profound at all. Another 
I, I don't mean to pick on the Beatles. I like the Beatles. Sure. But, uh, another example is the the tautologies and there's nothing you can sing that can't be sung, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there's nothing you can do that can't be done. It's like, well, yes, that's definitionally true. Yeah, because but it's if a you tautology, can do it, right? Exactly. Right. It's not actually <laughs> profound. No. Yeah. I, I don't, unless someone has a, a really game. brilliant interpretation that right. I'm not aware of. Right. I think another possible motive is the love of mystery. So not just mystery for the sake of sounding profound, but people actually really desire mystery and um, their spirituality being primarily one of mystery, not to identify anyone with this particularly, but I think uh, many American evangelical Christians are are willing to accept fund. Like you were talking earlier about a very specific uh, problem that is vexing you right now. Yeah. Um, Looking at how to interpret uh, certain commandments in the Bible. It is a very different thing to have that be somewhat mysterious than to say like the concept of God being mysterious in your head or something like that. And so mm-hmm. when we deal with these major mysteries in songs and they're over big fundamental issues, the question is, is this an unintentional oversight or does this person actually kind of like the vagueness yes. and mystery inherent in their uh, expression of Christianity? Yeah. Maybe you get in an argument with somebody and the person says, look, I need to step away for a moment. It's like, I, I, I just can't, right? Mm-hmm. That's a phrase that's, I just can't. And it's like, okay, well, are you going away so that you can concentrate on what you're thinking about, you know, by removing yourself from the immediacy of the argument, you'll be able to reflect, come back and actually discuss the thing? Or are you going away just to actually avoid discussing this thing and resolving conflict? I bring that up as an example because there's mysteries in scripture that we don't know, understand right now, but we will come to know, and it's still good to kind of meditate on them and to press into the mystery so that we can resolve it, or, or so that, you know, with the hope of resolving and with the desire to actually learn more about God, to probe the mystery and to, yeah, just for purposes of, of thought and worship. But it's another thing entirely to just seek after mystery and almost worship the mystery and to actually indulge in mysteriousness as a kind of consumptive exercise. And I don't really think there's warrant for that in scripture. No, if anything, scripture is uh, woefully boring in a lot of ways. Yeah. If that's your goal, if your goal is mystery, and I, I just me clear, I'm not saying scripture is boring. I'm saying if your goal is mystery, you're going to be disappointed by the scriptures and because they make a lot of things perfectly clear. Indeed. And this is a common, this is a problem, all man-made. I see it in my own work with traditional Roman religion, empire, but you could look at this in Near Eastern religions. You could see it in modern religions. You could see it in Gnosticism, the the early enemy of the church. There is just this desire in man, it seems, to pursue religion that is ill-defined and almost a comfort that comes from that. And I halfway wonder if that's a, a way to cope with the fact that actually God is very knowable. I, I definitely think that the uh, vagueness is a characteristic, a strong characteristic of modern evangelical worship. I think it's probably, but not necessarily, a symptom of a disease. And that disease can be a love of mystery. That disease can be a desire to sound uh, profound. That disease can be a uh, an actual heresy lurking under the surface. Like there are a lot of things that that disease could be that would result in the symptom of yeah. vagueness. Yeah, uh, it's just 
as we've seen several times on the show, we can't determine intent from the text generally. Usually, yeah. Uh, there are some cases where you seem to have a really good indication, but in general, you can't determine it. You can just identify that vagueness exists and then um, leave it to people's wisdom and good conscience to say, do I really want to sing this in a church? Yeah, and and as I said, that just because the vagueness, in certainly in our evaluation, often seems to be a negative attribute, we want to be careful because there have been times where it's it's a good thing. And there are places in scripture where we see poetic language and, uh, you, you know, language that may be unclear or open-ended in some way. And this is intentional and this is a very good thing. Yeah. Well, Colin, are there any episodes whose ratings you would change after this fourth season? Yes. I thought about this and there are two. I think I was too hard on, and maybe more than that, but I, at least two. Uh, the two that I thought of, one is uh, God So Loved. So I initially gave this song... Initially gave it a two. No, you initially gave it a three out of five proms. Yeah. So I initially gave God So Loved a three. And my real concern was this was a song that purported to... Render John 3.16 literally in its chorus and kind of expound upon it. And I was upset that the song omitted the idea of perishing. They kept the verse word for word, concept for concept, apart from perishing. And this bothered me. And in the end, this earned it the three. Upon reflection, and I talked about this in that episode, but I didn't allow it to move me in terms of the rating. I did notice that elsewhere in the song, there is discussion of Jesus being our savior or saving us, which implies par you know, that there was something wrong that we needed saving from. And there's also an explicit mention of the power of hell being defeated. Okay, neither of those two words replace perishing exactly. But I think in hindsight, I should accept that conceptually, that does fill in the gap. And okay, it's true that they don't appear in the, that that slightly vaguer version of perishing doesn't appear in the spot where it would in a direct transliteration of the verse. But the song actually has the, the something like that element in it, if not a little bit murky. Mm -hmm. And so I would raise the rating to four rather than keeping it a three. You know, it's funny you mentioned that. I gave this song five out of five Thunder Chiefs. And in reflecting on the series, I thought, um, this song is good, but it's not a five. So I'm actually lowering mine to a four. It's funny that we yeah. landed on these two outsides <laughs> and then converged in the middle. But um, when I think of the list of fives that we've given in the past or that I've given in the past, um, for example, when I look at Death Was Arrested by North Point Worship, or when I look at, well, I gave this a five, um, You Are Mighty by uh, Nathaniel Bassey. Or when I look at something like Before the Throne of God Above by Sovereign Grace, it's clear to me that these are in a category above what we saw with God So Love. God So Love was good, but it wasn't yeah. a five. And so, um, and I think I even said that in that episode. I said, I wouldn't go lower than a four. Well, I'm going to a four and no lower. So this is kind of where it sits for me. So. It's interesting to note that neither of us gave a one to any song in this fourth series. 
that's got to be a first for for a, a whole series. series. Yeah. yeah, I mean, even in our Christmas series part two, we gave out I gave out a one, for example. Um, that's funny because I felt like I was more critical of this series, but obviously, well, maybe you were, maybe you were, but just more not. critical of substance, but the number didn't reflect the, that. There was a song though. I think Oceans. You were probably thinking about a one. I was. I was ready to give it a yeah. one, and then, uh, I reflected, and I don't. I still don't think I would give it a one. But it's that was a wild one. Um, you said there were two songs that you thought you were too hard on. What was the other one? The other one was uh, a song that I was hard on. I think for similar reasons that I'd like to revisit, and that was "Is He Worthy" by Andrew Peterson. I can't believe that. So. My complaint with Andrew Peterson, and I gave it a four, but my complaint was, well, there's there are these references to Revelation, and there's some aspects of that that are omitted. And these are things like that he omits things like blood and, and slay, the lamb who was slain. And okay, yeah, he does. And this kind of robs the song of some potential I don't know visceralness or something but I don't know that it's really necessary for purposes of the song I actually think that it, it the song would have been enriched by those things for sure but I don't think not including them actually really did detract from the song certainly enough to pull it down to a four I, I actually think this song is probably in that category of five. I think it's at the lower end of a five, but I, I think it's more a five than a four. You know, it's funny that you mentioned that one because that was the other one that I thought I needed to change my rating for. Mm -hmm. I agree with you. I thought I was just too hard on this song. I don't know why, but there's so much scripture throughout this song and it, it's reflecting on Christ's perfection and holiness. Um, I think... The, yeah, the, the issues that I had were not enough to bring it down from a very good score. So sometimes what you eat, you know, what you you know, you didn't have enough guacamole in your tacos. You always mention bad guacamole. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe we were uh, we had just come off a series of of lowish ratings of of four episodes in a row, um, with five episodes in a row of of less than a two and a half average. So two and a half or lower average, I should say. Um, so yeah, I would change that to a five for myself as well, but we said something on that episode that needs to be addressed. And that is, uh, in that chorus, do you remember that refrain? Is anyone worthy? Mm -hmm. Is anyone whole? And we said, oh, it'd be worthwhile to get into that at some point. Mm. Um, now this is probably a massive question that would need a, an essay length work to address. Um, but what do you think whole means in that context? in the context of, is anyone worthy? Is anyone whole? I, I is would anyone assume, able to break the seal and open the I scroll? I would assume perfect. Okay. Complete. Yeah. Whole in the sense of, uh, yeah, complete. Yeah. Whole, which is literally what perfect would mean. Yeah. Um, and so uh, in that sense, yeah, the song is identifying Christ as the only perfect man to ever live. Yeah. Um, do you think that's how the word is used when people say, um, well, have you ever, let me just phrase it this way. Have you ever heard that word used outside of this song? Yes. And that the way that I think of it outside of the song, when I hear it just in common usage would be like, 
entire or uh like totality or something like that like the like the whole pie oh right yes of course and yeah it has that meaning there i was thinking more in christian context have you ever heard this word used so like i I, i'm pretty sure i've heard people say um so and so uh christ died to make you whole or something like that have you ever heard that before yeah i think i have yeah and in that way it seems like it's kind of a euphemism uh for uh someone being unwhole or incomplete it seems like it's a euphemism for them being sinful um where Christ completes the, the so, person. Okay, so rather than it being a euphemism for perfect, maybe it is a euphemism for, for perfected. Like you're saying that maybe it implies some kind of Ooh. action or change over time. I don't want to say that because I don't want to imply change in the person of Christ. Well, but... no, I know, but you're not implying change in the person of Christ. You're saying, could the, is that oh, song could appropriate? Oh, could that term be used? Right. If it does imply change. It is an interesting term, and I don't quite know what Andrew Peterson meant by it, just to, just to be frank. I think I would avoid using it because it seems like a circumlocution. It seems like a way around saying something more directly, and so in general, I just prefer more direct speech. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can't quite put my finger on what it is that seems evasive about it. Um, can you think of any times in Scripture when someone is described as being less than whole? Obviously, um, we have many instances of Christ healing the sick and a sickness being used as a, as a kind of a image for um, our sinful state. Even, you even have that kind of phrase in, in older hymns, uh, weak and wounded, sick and sore, for example. Uh, but we don't have incomplete directly or less than whole. Hmm. The only time I can think about this phrase being used is in um, Pascal's work where every person has a kind of God-shaped, God-shaped hole. hole. <laughs> yeah, but it's a, obviously whole meaning uh, an indication that something is not whole, for example. Yeah. Um, so I, this gets at, I don't know why that chorus hit me the wrong way, but it's generally about the word whole. I yeah. don't know what it is about that word, but it just seems evasive in some way. Hmm. Maybe listeners can help clarify this and figure out what it is that I'm missing yeah. that would either make me more or less upset. Or maybe they can more, maybe it bothers them too, but they're regulating it and sure. right, no, recognizing what it is. Sometimes I, you just have gut feelings about things and you just yeah. can't quite figure it out. It takes somebody else to help you see bothered by. I think it, for me, it has to do with the doctrine of man and the doctrine of sin and the doctrine of salvation. So I think the issue with man is not that he's incomplete or imperfect right, right? The, the issue with man is that he's in the polar opposite direction yeah, and dead. has to be yeah he's dead um in his sins and he has uh, been so warped by his sinful desires that he's not just incomplete he's fundamentally non-functional yeah. and even uh functioning for the wrong side so to speak mm-hmm. and has to be saved and so I think when I, maybe that's what raises alarm bells for me is when I hear you're not whole, I hear you need to just be kind of patched up in some places or, mm-hmm. or something. But mm-hmm. obviously I can't attribute that to Andrew Peterson just no. because of that one word, but it just rubs me the wrong way. Any other thoughts on this fourth series, Colin? No, Tyler. Uh, I would just say it was a long one, I guess, much longer than I thought. And uh, it's funny because, you know, we, we don't talk about, we say this all the time, but we don't talk about the songs ahead of time. And yet, it's neat, but it's also frustrating that we often come to the same writing. And with this season, there were several 
songs where we didn't come to the same rating and the one that we had the biggest gap on in the end we reconciled coming back to the same thing so i don't know we'll have to we'll have to get some guests on i think that's that's where we got to go to 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 get some more diversity of opinion that's the plan yeah that's hopefully what's coming in the next series or in a maybe just some peppered episodes in there from time to time with some guests we're lining those up now uh what else do we have on the horizon? That's probably the big one. Yeah. Yeah. Guest episodes and a new series starting up. So. Yep. Thank you so much for listening. We ask that if uh, you have been encouraged or intrigued by this podcast that you would send uh, us a contribution and share us with your friends. Thank you and take care. You've been listening to The Worship Review. Please subscribe to the podcast, leave a comment, or email us at feedback at theworshipreview.com. We accept donations at anchor.fm slash theworshipreview and patreon.com slash theworshipreview. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.